So last week we started this series called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And we looked at how in Genesis, God designed creation, designed humanity to be in perfect relationship with one another and with him. But we saw how sin shattered that shalom and caused separation between humanity and God. But that's not the end of the story. The very last chapter, the very last book of the Bible in Revelation 22, we see once again the tree of life. And that tree of life is in a city and there's shalom once again. And so what God designed in the beginning will be true in the end. And here we are in the middle. But the good news is that Christ has stepped into our world. He incarnated himself, God in flesh, and died on a tree. In between those two trees, he died on the cross so that we could experience connection, shalom, relationship with him, so that while things are not the way they are supposed to be, we are still in progress and God is at work in our lives. But we're still left with that disappointment gap, that gap between the way things should be and the way things are. This bucket here on the stage represents all the disappointments that we experience, our losses, our griefs, and our relationships. And this week, as we were going through this in my community group, I asked the guys, so, you know, what are some of your disappointments? And a guy in my group just spoke without even thinking about it. He said, my life, my life is a disappointment. And I was so impacted by that. I was like, man, that's so powerful to hear you say that, that, that there's so many things that are not the way they're supposed to be. And, and we walk around like with this cup of disappointment in our life, and it impacts us. It impacts us emotionally because it's heavy. It's heavy to walk around life with all of these disappointments. And it impacts us relationally because as we walk around, we kind of slosh it around on other people as we're talking to them. And maybe you know a few sloshers, no nudging right now, but, but there's some people that, you know, we slosh on others. We get sloshed on because our cups are full of disappointment. But another really important impact that happens when we walk around with our cups full of disappointment is that spiritually, it's very hard to hear from God and to engage him when our cups are full of this disappointment. This happened in the book of Exodus when Moses, God sent Moses back to the people to announce to them the amazing news that he was going to liberate them from slavery in Egypt. He was going to take them out into a promised land. And Moses came back excited, but you know what? They couldn't hear it. Check this out in Exodus 6, 9. It says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their harsh labor. There was no room. There was no room for God to pour good stuff into their cups because it was so full of the disappointment and the discouragement. So what do we do with that? Well, today, we're going to learn that the Psalms are a great guide to help us understand how to process our disappointment in a healthy way before God. In fact, in Psalm 62, 8, it says this. It says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to God because he is our refuge. So when we come to God in prayer, we are pouring out our hearts to him. We are pouring out the disappointment. But the amazing thing is that no matter how many times, no matter how many disappointments and how many situations we go through in life that don't work out the way that we want, we can continue to come back to God 
and pour out our hearts to him. And he's always going to hear us. It's never going to run out. We can come back to him in prayer day after day, moment after moment, and say, God, I trust you. I love you. I know that you are with me, and I am going to pour out my heart to him. So today we're going to look at how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, there's different categories of psalms. There's psalms of praise, there's psalms of thanksgiving, and if you have your Bible, one of the cool things about psalms, if you don't know where it is, if you try to open your Bible right up in the middle, if you just kind of look at the middle, you'll likely be in the book of Psalms. You may hit Song of Solomon, sometimes Proverbs, but usually you'll hit psalms if you go right in the middle. And there's 150 psalms. And there, many of them are psalms of praise, many of them are thanksgiving, prayers for the nation, but do you know that the single largest category of psalms, about a third of the psalms fall into what's called psalms of lament. Psalms of lament. Psalms of lament are people pouring out their hearts to God. They're complaining. They're frustrated. They're angry. They are raw. They are real. I mean, it is the range of emotions. Sometimes it's almost embarrassing to read because they're so honest and they're so, there's so much frustration and hurt. You know, for much of my walk with Jesus, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know it was possible to bring our frustration to God like that. I thought I had to show up and kind of pretend like everything was just fine. I was a lot like this guy. I would come to God with all this emotion in me, but I couldn't share it to him. So I'd be like, God, everything's going just great today, and I'm so thankful to be your child. But in reality, God knew what was happening in my soul. So when I learned that not only is the Psalms of Lament there to teach us, but so that we can also express our lament, it was so freeing for me. We see this in Scripture, particularly in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, from the patriarchs to the psalmists to the prophets. In fact, the word Israel, where God changed Jacob's name to Israel, literally means he wrestles with God. In other words, the name of God's people is they wrestle with God. This people that God called, why is that so important? Because lament psalms help us understand and give voice to the fact that things are not the way they're supposed to be. That when we lament, we are recognizing the reality of the brokenness of the shalom that God intends to be there. And by pouring out our hearts to him, we're recognizing it. And of course, he already knows. So what does a psalm of lament look like? Well, they have three main parts. It starts with a complaint. Then it goes to a prayer or a petition. And it moves to a point of praise. And out of all the psalms of lament in Scripture, I think the one that just helps us see it the most compactly, the most clearly, is Psalm 13. It's just six verses long. And in these six verses, David moves from complaint to petition to praise. And I want to use it as an example to help us understand what a psalm of lament looks like. This is Psalm 13. Here's his complaint. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Man, listen to that complaint. 
the, the emotions present here are, are frustration. He's exacerbated. He feels alone. He feels abandoned. He feels attacked. I mean, there's a lot going on here. And David's letting it rip. He was a man after God's own heart, but his life was not easy. There were people on all sides that were trying to bring him down. And, and in his own life, he's wrestling with his thoughts and, 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 the, and, and the, the processes that he's going through. I mean, it was challenges from the outside, from the inside. We're going to look at that more next week. But David is pouring out his heart to God with his complaint. Now, if we were to just leave the complaint there, it would be incomplete. But a psalm of lament starts with a complaint and it moves into a petition or a prayer. And here's the petition. Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Look on me and answer me, O God. Look on me. Give light to my eyes. Revive me. This is a, this idea of light to the eyes. It's a Hebrew saying of, of make me alive. Help me. Revive me, God, by your spirit. David recognizes that we can't pick ourselves up sometimes. That we have to call on God. That we have to bring our petition before him. And that's David's prayer. And it moves from complaint to petition into praise. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Wait a minute. David, sorry, did I catch that right? Six verses earlier, you're saying that God's forgotten you. You're saying that God has abandoned you, that your enemies are there. They're trying to make you fall, that, that life's tough, that you're depressed. And, and within a few verses, he moves from complaint and pouring out his heart to God into a place of praise. How is that possible? Well, when we pour out our hearts to God, there's actually room to encounter God in that place. And there's a theologian named Robert Hughes, and, and he says this. He says, all the psalms that begin by lamenting over the pain and injustice of life always end their lament with praise to God. So why does God take his people through all the pain? In other words, if, 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 it, if the lament ends in praise, why not just get to the praise? Here's what he says, because God wants his people to watch the psalmist time after time show trust during the trials of life. It's one thing to praise God when the pain has gone, but it's more profound to praise him when the pain is still present. It's one thing to praise God when the pain is gone and, and we're doing good, but it's another thing completely to praise him when the pain is still present. And we see that in the Psalms of Lament. These people working through their pain honestly before God and bringing them to a place of trust. So how do we do this? What does this look like? Here's a little outline that I've made so that you can kind of practice this. We're gonna practice this here in just a minute. But a Psalm of Lament basically has these components. First of all, we tell God honestly how we feel. God, I feel, and then you can add the next part, because. So this is what's going on in my life. 
In fact, on the way out at the information table or at Go Central, I've printed this out for you so you have it. And I've also included a handy dandy emotions chart because like me growing up, like I wasn't aware that there was this range of emotions that we could feel. And I wasn't aware that there was actually something that God wanted me to bring to him. You see, he created us with these emotions. We're created in his image. We're created to be like him. And God wants us to pour out our hearts to him. So, so I actually, in my Bible, have tucked in there an emotions chart. So when I come to God in prayer, I'm able to say, God, right now, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Right now, I'm feeling perplexed. Right now, I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling sad. Or I'm feeling super excited. I'm feeling grateful. I'm feeling blessed. I'm feeling hopeful. Whatever it is, you come to God as you are, not as you think you should be, because he already knows how we are, and he wants to meet us in that place. So God, I feel blank because blank. And then we move into the petition. My prayer is, this is what I'm asking you, God. My prayer is, and we end with, I trust you because. So here's what this looks like. This week in staff, we were kind of practicing this. And, you know, the Psalms of Lament happen in, in, in two, on two levels. They happen on the individual level, where we as individuals pour out our hearts to God with what's going on in our lives. But there's also this corporate level. There's this level in which we can express to God our hurt and pain and frustration of what's happening in the world around us. And man, we need to be able to do that. There's so much hurt. There's so much pain. There's so much disappointment going on right now. And people are sloshing all over the place because their cups are full of the hurt and the pain. And Psalms of Lament help us grieve for the pain of our nation. Jesus tells us, blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. So in staff this week, we were kind of practicing this, and this is kind of what some of this sounded like as we were pouring out our hearts to God. God, I feel sad, hurt, angry at all of the bitterness and brokenness in our culture today. As we're in this season where people are literally killing each other in the streets, God, my prayer is that you would bring healing to our nation and that you would allow me to be an instrument of peace. And God, I trust you because you are good and you are the prince of peace. Another pastor on our staff prayed, God, I feel so overwhelmed with all the needs in our congregation. I'm just one person. I feel like sometimes there's just so much happening that we can't work through it all. So God, my prayer is that you would allow other people to rise up and to serve and to love like Jesus so that we could be the church and bring healing to those in need. We trust you, God, because you are the Lord of your church in Jesus' name. You see, this doesn't take a long time to do. And another pastor said, as he shared about a friend that he lost this week to addiction. He was somebody that was starting to follow Jesus and fell back into it. And he just prayed, God, my, my heart is broken because yet again, there's another brother that has fallen into the trap of the enemy. My prayer is that you would empower us to be light in life in our community through our ministries so that people can find hope in you because you, Jesus, are the way, the truth, and the life. And as we pour out our hearts to God, he hears us, and we can bring that to him. And as Josh comes out, I just want to give us an opportunity to practice this. I want to give you a chance to practice a psalm of lament. Now, your homework this week is to write a psalm of lament for you personally and to write one 
corporately. Dig into this psalm, Psalm 13, and you can Google psalms of lament, and you'll see them. You can pull up a list of them there and just kind of start to study them out. But I just want to give you an opportunity right now to practice this before God. So if you've got a pen and paper, or if you just kind of want to say it in your heart or under your breath, feel free to do that. Just take some time right now. God, here's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Tell them, because this is what's going on. My prayer, God, is ask him what you need. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your heart being the seat of your emotions, your mind being the place of your thoughts. And God, I trust you because tell him, tell him why you trust him. Because he's faithful, because he's always been there, because he's creator, because he died for us, because his spirit lives in us, because he's at work in the world. Why are you trusting him today? Just take a moment and express your psalm of lament before the Lord this morning. From the cross, Jesus prayed a psalm of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the first line of Psalm 22. And those listening, and now as we read back, that should catch our attention to go back and see what he's referencing. There's like, 10 references to what's happening to him on the cross. His tongue sticks to the roof of his mouth. People surround him, shouting insults at him. His heart is melted like wax within him. They're casting lots for his clothing. Everything that's happening, Jesus is fulfilling here on the cross. And this was written seven or 800 years before Jesus even walked on the earth. And he's saying, I'm stepping in to the lament of humanity. And not only stepping into, but I am taking upon myself the fullness of the pain and the, the, the curse that was caused by sin and separation. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the cries of my anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I find no rest. Yes, what you've experienced maybe didn't have language for, is right here. And Jesus is saying this, but listen to how he comes to a place of trust. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. And you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Jesus entered into the lament of humanity by going to the cross to bring us near to God so that we could experience the shalom that he intended. And yes, we live in a world full of disappointment, but yes, we can pour out our hearts to him each and every day, and his love never runs out. Let's pray.
God, we come to you, some of us with hearts full of disappointment, and today would you allow us just to pour out our hearts to you? Would you allow us to come to you just as we are, not as we'd like to be, not as situations would, would hope to be, but as it is, and in that place, would you meet us, God, and give us hope that today we can experience your love, peace, and patience. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.